we're back in another seven battle grind. The name of the message today is flattery, weapon of the strange woman, narcissist, false teachers and cults, love bombing. And so we're going to be talking about flattery today. I have seen this used over the years, many times uh, in many different contexts, actually, on an individual level, uh, between two people that are friends or in relationships, marriages. I've also seen it used in cults and many other contexts. But it's important today that we do a study on flattery. We're going to start a, uh, start with defining what it is. We're going to go through and exactly define what flattery is. And then we're going to do a study in the Bible to find out even more, much more about flattery in the scriptures because the scriptures actually have quite a bit to say about flattery. And then after that, we're going to be tying this together with something which is called love bombing. And that is specifically used by narcissists and cults. Uh, they use this tactic of love bombing to uh, manipulate people. Okay, so there's a lot to learn here, but it's going to be 100% biblical, grounded in the Bible, uh, the objective truth of the standard of the Word of God. And um, yeah, I hope that you get a lot out of this. So let's get into the definition here. Flattery. Essentially, you could say flattery is false praise. That's the first thing that is said about flattery. It is false praise. It is not real. It is a lie. Okay, so you could actually categorize flattery under the heading of lies. It is a form of lying, form of deception. Uh, so to continue on the definition, commendation bestowed for the purpose of gaining favor and influence or to accomplish some purpose. Okay, so flattery is used for the purpose of gaining favor and influence or to accomplish some purpose. So there's always some end goal in mind when someone is flattering. They're not just, they're never just praising someone because they want to praise someone. It is not a genuine expression of thankfulness or love or anything like that. No, it is, they have some goal in mind as to why they are praising someone. They want to get something out of it. Direct flattery consists in praising a person himself. Indirect flattery consists in praising a person through his works or his connections. Okay, so there's different ways that someone could do that. Okay, so it could be the person themselves, maybe the way that someone looks, something that they didn't really do anything to control, or it could be, like it said, something that they do. Oh, you're so amazing at this, whatever it is. But keep in mind, again, this isn't just praise. This isn't just regular giving someone a compliment. This is false praise. We're going to learn more about that. Okay, you'll see. We're going to learn a lot more about what it is. False praise is an expression of false love. So that's one of the first things you need to understand. Okay? Uh, you know, someone may pretend to love someone. They may even say it, that they love someone even when they don't. They have a false love, a feigned love. And the way that they can express their false love is through false praise, which is, is flattery. And the Bible warns against false love in Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. So let's look at the definition of dissimulation real quick in case you didn't know. Dissimulation is the act of dissembling, a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning, false pretension, hypocrisy. Dissimulation may be simply concealment of the opinions, sentiments, or purpose, but it also, it includes also the assuming of a false or counterfeit appearance 
which conceals the real opinions or purpose. And that's very important when we're talking about this subject today. Uh, People will conceal their real opinions or their real purpose. And, And so when there's love with dissimulation, it is a false love. It's hiding under a false appearance, a mask to conceal what's really underneath in the heart. And so, like I said, uh, lo- false love, fa- I'm sorry, false praise is an expression of false love. So that is love with dissimulation. So you need to see that connection between flattery and false love. This tactic of expressing false love through flattery is especially effective on people who are starving for affection or fellowship. The narcissist predator sees that desire as a target, a weakness to be to exploit. Okay, and I know that's hard to accept for some people because it's so awful, right? It's so awful to think that there would be, you know, someone out there that's starving for affection. They they really want affection or they want fellowship with other people. And that it's hard to believe that there'd be someone out there who would see that desire and then see that as something to pounce on, to take advantage of, to manipulate. And to go after that person specifically because they know that they're starving for affection. And I I know that's hard to accept, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. It is 100% real. It is a fact of life. And there are, unfortunately... Many people out there that are like that. And you need to be aware of it so you do not fall victim to that manipulation. Okay, I want you to avoid being manipulated by these tactics. And so you have to understand that they see that desire for affection as a weakness to exploit. They see you as a target. Okay, and so they'll express false love to you through flattery. And here's more of a definition of flattery. Flatter, to soothe by praise. Okay, so that's important to remember. Soothe, soothing words, soft words, something to make you feel nice, soothing. You can even uh, think about that. That is actually tied together with hypnotism. A lot of times they teach people in hypnotism to use soft, soothing words to comfort people. And of course, when someone is being hypnotized, they're about to be manipulated. (laughs) So, you know, to prepare someone to be manipulated, they have to give them soothing words. They tell them to to lower their voice, be more comforting, and, and talk softly to them until they, you know, they lull them into a sense of sleep or security, right? But this is done through praise, to soothe by praise. And to soothe is to like, it's another way to put it, is to get someone to let their guard down. That's the biggest thing. To flatter someone is to soothe them so they let their guard down. The walls come down. To please a person by applause or favorable notice, by respectful attention or by paying, giving people a lot of attention or by anything that exalts him in his own estimation or confirms his uh, good opinion of himself. So a lot of times, yes, it appeals to people's pride. Like it says in the next definition, number two, to please, to gratify as to flatter one's vanity or pride. Okay, and that's that's uh, another thing about flattery is that 
people who use flattery can see that if someone has pride, they can target that person's pride by flattering them, inflating their ego and their vanity even more with flattery. Oh, you're so amazing at this and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they find out that specific thing that the person has pride in and they just keep buttering them up and talking about that thing. Whatever it takes to please that person and inflate their ego. Okay, so, but understand that's another definition of flattery is to please. And that's going to come into uh, play later on in the, in the teaching too. To please men. Number three is to praise falsely. Again, remember that's, it's false praise. It's not true praise. There's nothing wrong with giving true praise. And then number seven is to coax to attempt to win by blandishments, I'll define that in a second, praise or enticements. How many young incredulous persons are flattered out of their innocence and their property by seducing arts? Many young people are definitely manipulated by uh, older people flattering them and and, uh, scamming people too. A lot of times scammers will scam people, uh, you know, naive young people out of their money through flattery. Now, what is blandishment? Blandishment is soft words, kind speeches, expression of kindness, words or actions expressive of affection or kindness and tending to win the heart. And an example of an uh, action uh, to express kindness would be giving gifts as well. That could fall into the category of blandishment. So to attempt to win by blandishments means to attempt to win someone over through soft words, uh, kind speeches, um, actions that that are trying to win over someone's heart, you know, and it's interesting that is also used in uh, in the military in psyops, right? They say that they want to the goal is to win hearts and minds, but that's what's going on at an individual level with flattery, is people are trying to win the hearts of other people through this manipulation, okay, through the kind speeches and maybe gifts and all these other types of things to coax to win the heart. Okay, so, you know, you can see these are all uh, definitions of flattery and it gives you a pretty good idea of uh, what that is. So, let's look at flattery in scripture and we're going to learn much more about it. Okay, first verse here is Psalms 5, starting verse 8. The wicked flatter with their tongue. Psalm 5, 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Okay, so this passage is talking about the wicked. It's talking about, he says, his enemies. And it says that they flatter with their tongue. So, I want you to see that flattery is associated with the wicked. This is something that wicked people do. So this is not a light thing, and it's not something that you should be doing. Let's continue. Flattery causes ruin. It is destructive. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Okay, so let's look at that for a second. A flattering mouth worketh ruin. Okay, so let's, like I said, it causes ruin. It's destructive. It hurts people. It hurts relationships. 
Uh, it's very destructive, not something that you want to do. But then also the first part says a lying tongue. Okay, so flattery is lying, right? But it says a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And so that's important to note as well because uh, when you lie to someone, people that lie to other people, they hate those people. And if they didn't, they wouldn't be lying to them. They lie about people to because they do not love them. They do not. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't be using flattery and lying and deception to manipulate people. Okay, so that's important to note as well. Uh, here's the next point. False converts flatter God with their mouth in an attempt to hide what is in their heart. Okay, so this is going to help to understand the foundation of exactly where flattery comes from, how it works spiritually deep down within people, this is where it comes from. Okay, so we look at it in relation to God. Okay, they false converts flatter God with their mouth to hide what's in their heart. So let's look at it. Psalm 78, 36. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Okay, so these, these people that were in rebellion to God, they were going after idols. They, it says that they flattered God with their mouth. What does that mean? They lied. It says they lied to him. And they flattered him and, and li- flattered him and lied to him, to God, about what they were going to do. They said they were going to obey. Oh God, we love you. We praise you. You're our God. And and, and they give God all this praise and say they're going to all do these things and they didn't do them. So they lied and they flattered God. And why? Why did they do that? It says, for their heart was not right with him. That's why. Because their heart was not right with God. And that is the essence, the foundation of this issue of flattery is someone who flatters is their heart is not right with God. Hey, that is the essence of the problem. That is why they do that. And it is especially true when it comes to flattering with the mouth when it comes to God. We're going to learn more about how that works in a second here um, because we're going to talk about professing Christians. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 30. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, every one to his brother saying, come, I pray you and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. Oh, let's go hear the word of the Lord. Let's go hear some preaching. Come on, let's go to church. Let's go hear it. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. Why? For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And by the way, that's talking about preaching. The preaching of the prophet. He says, oh, they they think about your preaching as like a, a lovely song 
Oh, he has a nice voice. I like listening to him, but I have no intention of doing anything that he says. But I want you to pay attention to verse 31 where it says, For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. And so you see here, there is a disconnect between the heart and the mouth. Okay? The mouth shows love to God. Oh, I love God. God is so great. Praise be to God Almighty and all this stuff, right? But their heart is not praising God, doesn't want to obey God. Their heart goeth after covetousness, their lusts, other things that they want to do that have nothing to do with what God wants them to do. But their mouth says a completely different story. And that's flattery towards God. Here's another one. Jesus talks about this same exact thing. And he said that, you know, the Pharisees did this. Matthew 15, 7. Ye hypocrites. By the way, that's what a hypocrite is. They say one thing, but they do another. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Okay, so there, there it is again. There is a disconnect between the mouth and the heart. The heart, what someone truly believes, is in their heart. It's, he says, Jesus said, their heart is far from me, far away from God. But with their mouth, they act like they're close to God. Oh, they draw nigh to me. They honor me with their lips. Give praise unto God. But their heart has no intention of drawing nigh to him. There is also an attempt to hide what is in the heart when someone flatters another person. They are said to have a double heart, okay? And, and that's important to note. When uh, someone flatters another person, they're not saying what's really in their heart. They are hiding what's in their heart by saying something else, right? Because they usually have something bad in their heart, bad intentions, they want something out of someone, they're not just going to come out and say that. So they say something false to flatter someone to hide what's really in their heart. And the Bible calls this having a double heart. Psalm 12, 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful man fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. You see how God feels about flattery? The God shall, that God, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips? Yeah, definitely does not like flattery. But it says here, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Okay, so someone that flatters has a double heart. Double heart. That's going that's, you know, going uh trying to hold two opinions at the same time. A real one and a false one. It's a double heart. Double heart is equivalent to double-minded. James 1:8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's what they are. They're double the double-hearted person is double-minded. They're double-minded, praising someone, flattering them, but in their heart, they, they don't even care about them at all. They're double-minded, trying to hold two opinions at the same time that contradict each other. 
And so they are unstable, absolutely. They are not stable. Flattery is used to set people up for a trap. It is a weapon of manipulation. That's what you must, must understand about flattery. Okay, so let's look at it. Proverbs 29.5 A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Okay, so when you spread a net for someone's feet, you are setting a trap, right? Like you dig a hole in the ground, cover it up with some leaves, there's a net underneath, they step in the net, boom, they're trapped. That's what the Bible compares flattery to. It compares it to a spreading a net, a setting a trap for someone. Why does it why does it compare it to that? Because it is a weapon to manipulate people, to control them, to use them for your their own purposes. It's not real praise that is designed to, you know, make someone feel good just because they they love them or they're just trying to be kind. No, it has nothing to do with that at all. It's fake. It's a trap. Now, I'm going to show you an example of this uh, in, in Scripture. Here's an example of flattery used in an attempt to trap someone. It is designed to make someone let their guard down. The goal here was to get Jesus to give a wrong answer so they could publicly accuse him. So let's look at this example that was used on Jesus Christ. Matthew 22, 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Okay, so right off the bat, it, their goal was to entangle Jesus in his talk, to try to, to trap him and entangle him and get him to mess up in what he said. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, okay, so this is where they start to flatter, pay attention. Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? And then how does Jesus respond? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Okay, so Jesus saw through it, obviously, right from the beginning. He knew the whole time what they were doing. But I want you to see, they were trying to use flattery to trap Jesus. Oh, master, we know you're true. You teach the way of God. Oh, you, you don't regard the person of men. You speak the truth, master. Right? They, everything they could throw at him to try to make it sound like they were praising him and exalting him. He was this great teacher and master so that he would let his guard down and, and uh, he would mess up in giving them the answer to the question. But Jesus said they were, he perceived their wickedness. He knew what they were doing was wicked. So Jesus completely, by the way, do you see how Jesus is immune to flattery? Jesus is immune to flattery. He didn't care about it at all. He didn't let it affect him one bit. Jesus would not be emotionally manipulated by false praise. And he didn't even address the first thing he says. He doesn't even answer their question when the first thing that he says. 
with the first thing that he said. He doesn't even answer the question. The first thing he says is, why tempt ye me, hypocrites? He, and why is that important? Because that's something that we should do. When we see something being used as a tactic of manipulation, call out the tactic of manipulation and saying, this isn't a good faith question. This is not a real question. You are trying to trap. You are not asking uh, in uh, honesty, in good faith. You are, tr- like you said, you're trying to tempt me. Why are you trying to tempt me? You hypocrites. You're, it's completely wicked what you're doing. This praise, this flattery doesn't affect me. And then when he answered them, they couldn't even answer what he said to them. But, uh, you know, the point is, you know, they tried, they thought they could get away with this with Jesus. It didn't work on them. But we should follow this example that Jesus set for us in not letting the flattery uh, to trap us so we let our guard down and um, to to do what they want us to do. Okay, now we're going to move on to specifically the strange woman. Now, the Bible goes into great detail about this, the strange woman. This is a woman who is not a faithful woman, a woman who is an adulterous woman, not faithful to their husband, and they are a manipulator, and technically speaking, they follow the pattern of uh, the woman Jezebel in the Bible. And you're going to see a lot of this description here. But you're going to see that flattery is one of the biggest tools of this strange woman. And this is specifically, by the way, told uh, in Proverbs to young men. It is told to young men that they are warned to watch out for the traps of the strange woman. Because they could be manipulated. And that is a huge, huge danger today for the uh, young man. And this doesn't mean that, let me just say this right off the bat. This doesn't mean that men don't use flattery. Of course they do. Of course, there's men that are narcissists, manipulators. They use flattery. Of course they do. But the thing is, is the Bible warns about this a a little bit more. And uh, manipulation is warned about a little bit more when it comes to women. I'll tell you exactly why. Men can be physically uh, intimidating, physically abusive. They can dominate other people physically, verbally, even their presence and all these things. Most of the time, women don't have that uh, ability. And so... If they are going to manipulate, they have to rely on, uh, you know, emotional, mental, verbal type of manipulation. Uh, that's what they go towards. That's what women tend to lean towards when it comes to manipulation. That's just how it works because of the physical difference. Okay. Now, let's look at the, the warning here. The strange woman uses flattery. Proverbs 2.16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Okay, so there's the first warning in Proverbs 2. The strange woman flatters with her words, and the Bible talks about delivering, that when you get wisdom, that it helps to deliver you from the strange woman and her traps. 
And that's a, a very good reason why you should know, why you should study and, and understand the Word of God. Because it will give you wisdom to avoid being manipulated by this stuff. Okay, so let's continue because it's going to be stated again in the next one. Uh, Proverbs 7, starting verse 4. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. Okay, so it says wisdom will uh, keep you from the strange woman. So it talks about the extreme importance of getting wisdom to protect you from this stuff. And from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Notice, they're flattering, using her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, the naive young ones, a discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding. Didn't know anything. Passing through the street near her corner. This was the, this is the quintessential simp. This is, this is the king of the simps right here. This young man, he just falls right into the trap of the e-thought, of the e-girl. And he went into the, he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, of a prostitute, and subtle of heart, ready to manipulate. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without. Now she, now in the streets, she is for the streets. And lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face. By the way, the paying the vows, this could even be a woman that pretends to be religious. So don't think you can just let your guard down because they go to church and they say they're a Christian and all these things. Oh no. In fact, You'll find some of those Jezebel manipulators in churches more than any other place. Be careful. Be very careful. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Again, you know, just gassing him up, buttering him. Oh, I looked every for, everywhere for you, and I found you. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of, fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. So, married woman, the, oh, the man's gone. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her, now pay attention, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Okay? So all the, these things that she was saying to him is under the category of flattering him with her lips. She forced him to come in. Now, it's not forced in the sense of against his will. He made a decision, but I mean... It was a one big trap to get him to go in there. And it was through her fair speech, her flattering lips. He goeth after her straightway. What happened? He went for the trap. He went right in. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till a dart 
strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Listen to the warning here. Go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Very, very strong warning there. Uh, against following the uh, strange woman, falling into her trap. But as you can see, a huge part of the strange woman's trap is flattery. She flatters with her lips, it says. That's how she does it. And uh, another warning about the, the strange woman, the Bible words it this way, I didn't put it in the notes here, but it's from Proverbs 5, verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Okay, so uh, the lips drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. This is talking about that flattery. It's smooth, smooth words. Makes it seem like everything is great, but it's not. And it gives you the strongest warning possible. Her house is the way to hell. Okay, so that's a very strong warning about the flattery of the strange woman. Another reason people flatter is to get others to divulge secrets. This is an important warning we need to talk about here. I'm going to read from um, Proverbs 20, verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Okay, so we need to break this down. This is very important to understand. If someone is flattering you and telling you secrets about other people, it is as if they are saying, you can be trusted with this information even when you haven't even known them long enough to prove trust, that you that you, you could be proven to be trusted. Okay? You ever have that happen? Where someone's telling you secrets about other people and they haven't even known you that long? It doesn't even make any sense. It hasn't even... You can't even... You know, enough time hasn't even gone by to where you prove that you can be trusted, yet they're sharing all this stuff with you. Secrets about other people doesn't make any sense. That's because it's for a reason. It is similar to giving a gift, which they only ever do to get something from you. That's what they're doing. They're giving you this information. They want you to give them secrets about yourself or other people. Rest assured, they intend to use any information you give them against you in the future. That's exactly what they're doing. Okay? They want you to... They're giving you secrets because they want you to give them secrets. Okay? And share information. And it... It, you can bet, though, that it's going to be used against you one day. It will be. And the best thing you can do is, is not listen to people talking about secrets about other people that you don't need to know. Unless it's something that's directly related to you, that you need to know, you don't need to know all this secret stuff about other people. And one of the most wicked things in the world 
pure evil things is a pastor who has knows pastors know a lot of secret things uh, sometimes more than they should know but they do and if a pastor shares secret things about people that they know with other people in the congregation that shouldn't know that is an instant disqualification as a bishop they are that's 100% disqualified that's it you're done I'm serious. It's it's so incredibly bad and evil. It's it's unbelievable that any pastor could do that. But guess what? Many have. Many have done that where they tell someone else in the, in the church things about other people that they know secret sins and bad things about other people when they have no right to know that. It's not like it's different if someone did something specifically against someone, but I'm talking about something that has nothing to do with anyone. They just tell it. It's completely, insanely wicked. Okay? And guess what? They want you to share secrets too. So it could apply to a pastor. It could apply to, apply to someone who says they're your friend. They do this in cults too. Cults like doing this. Cults... Uh, if you look at how cults operate, they love when people confess things. They're always confessing things to the leadership and to the cults because it gives them more control over them. More secrets they know, the more they can hold this over people's head to guilt trip them and manipulate them. And you can never walk away or will give, you know, say secrets about you. And then, and then we can, you know, we control you. We can destroy you. It's disgusting. It's like blackmail evil okay so this whole issue about you know someone flattering you and then they're telling secrets just know that you're being set up you are being set up when someone is flattering you you are being set up and they want secrets they're going to tell you secrets because they want secrets back but a talebearer who does what? Reveals secrets. Go around telling all kinds of secrets to people. Gossiping. All right, next part is false teachers. False teachers use flattery. This is very important to understand. And so that you, this is a great way for you to see through false preaching. False teachers. You need to see that they use flattery. Ezekiel 12, 24. For there shall no more be any vain vision nor flattering divination within the house of Israel. These false prophets who claim they could know the future, but it was always what? Flattering divination. Flattering things they would tell people. They would always tell them that good things were going to happen. Always good things. Let's read about some more about that. This is a very... Uh, clear one. Isaiah 30 verse 9. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Lie to us. Tell us smooth things. You know, what are they saying? Flatter us. Flatter us with your preaching. That's what we want to hear. We don't want to hear right things. We don't want to hear the truth that makes us feel uncomfortable. No, we want to be flattered. 
We want to feel good. We want to hear about the good things, all the pleasant things. God has a wonderful plan for your life, your best life now, and so many great things. God has God is going to do so many wonderful things with you in this life, and blah blah blah. And they just build you up. Hear people talk like the, talk like this all the time to people. Oh, God is going to do so many great things with your life, and blah blah. You don't know that. You're lying. You're a liar. You have no idea what's going to happen in that person's life. The next day, they could probably get hit by a bus and die. You would have no no idea. You have no clue. Stop lying. Okay? But that's flattery. And we see this relationship, though, between the false preacher and the audience. Okay, is another important point. Guess what? The audience are not as much of victims as you like to think. The, the, the ones listening are saying, prophesy unto us uh, smooth things. Tell us lies, deceits. They want the false preaching, okay? And so, you know, there are some people, obviously, especially people who first become Christians, they don't understand things a lot. They go into false churches and and they don't really know for a little bit. That's fine. But then when they get told the truth, they should go, oh, wow, I was deceived. And then they come out of it. They repent of it. They get away from it, whatever it is. God will lead them out. But those that don't want the truth will hear the truth and reject it and say, no, I don't want that. I want the smooth things. Because they're not a victim. They want the false teacher. And they will pay the false teacher on a permanent basis to flatter them. And they got a nice arrangement going on. The false teacher gets to have a job where he just tells people flattering lies. And the people pay him to flatter them so they feel good and religious at the same time. And that's their arrangement. The hireling and the, and the people that want the false teaching. That's their arrangement. It's got nothing to do with the truth of the word of God and pleasing God, but that's what they're doing because it makes them feel good. Here's another one. Jeremiah 23, 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. It is not preaching from God. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. And that's exactly what happens today. The false preachers say to lost people, people that hate God, oh, you will have peace. No evil should come upon you. You don't need to worry. We don't talk about the wrath of God. It's only God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. That's it. No warning them at all that you need to repent and believe the gospel and flee from the wrath to come. You need to, you need to turn from a life of sin and rebellion against God and turn to the Savior Jesus Christ or you will go to hell. Warning you. Blowing that trumpet and warning. You need to repent. Drunkards and fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. Warning with that trumpet. Not flattering. I'm not going to tell uh, lost people that are drunkards and fornicators and liars and every other sin 
that no evil is going to come upon you. No, it will come upon you. The wrath of God abides on you actually already. You are already condemned in the sight of God. You are guilty before God. And if you die today and you're not saved, you will go to hell for all of eternity. You will burn. And you have no hope, none whatsoever at all, except the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you repent and put your faith in him and believe that he died for your sins and rose again from the dead, then you will be saved. You ask him to save you and forgive you. You will be born again. That is your only hope. And that is what needs to be stated. Not God loves you as you are in your sins and he's going to keep you as you are. And in no change required. No, the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Yes, he does change you. Radically changes you. Completely transforms you. Quickened. From dead to life. From death unto life. From the power of Satan unto God. From darkness to light. Radical transformation. Yes, he does. He doesn't just leave you as you are. I will not tell those that are living rebellion against God, you will have peace. I will not tell those that are have no intention of, of turning to Jesus Christ and the word of God that no evil should come upon you. I refuse. I warn them. You are going the wrong way. I am warning you that you need to flee from the wrath to come. That's what should be said. But the false teachers will flatter. Tell them smooth things. Here's another one, Ezekiel 13:10, because even my because even I'm sorry, because even because they have seduced my people, saying peace and there was no peace. Telling people Peace, you're going to have peace. And there was no peace. You know what the Bible says? There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. There is no peace to the wicked. You have, you will have no peace until you make peace with God. When you are lost, you are an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. Whosoever therefore should be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And if you're, enemy of, you're an enemy of God, you need to put up the white flag of surrender. Okay? You cannot continue to go through your life as an enemy of God living in rebellion against Him. There is no peace for you. There is only peace when you turn to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That's it. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus Christ. That's it. The only way to have peace. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we see this, this uh, phrase, this word used a couple times here. It says, they have seduced my people, saying peace when there was no peace. And then it says, evil men and seducers. So what does that mean to seduce? Well, let's look at it because it ties together this subject. Seduce, to draw aside or entice from the path of rectitude and duty in any manner by flattery. Promises, bribes, or otherwise. Okay, so this ties together with flattery. Seducers use flattery. What does it say? 
They have seduced my people, the false preachers, using flattery to seduce people. And what does it say? Evil men and seducers who use flattery shall wax worse and worse, grow worse and worse. They will increase as time goes on, as the apostasy accelerates, as we get further and further in the falling away, there will be more and more people that are seducing people through flattery, false teachers. And that's how you get the false unity, where people throw out doctrine, they throw out the truth, in order to have a false unity through false love. Jesus said, no, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. And what did he mean by that? He said he meant the truth causes division, not a false unity, which is based on lies. That's what the Antichrist does. That's what the ecumenical movement is. It is a false unity based on false love. And they use flattery to unite together people. It's not based on the truth. It's not based on the truth of the Word of God. It's based on the traditions of men and people's feelings. That's how they seduce. So seduce to draw aside, to entice through different ways, flattery and bribes. Well, let's look at a bribe. Exodus 23, 8. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. So that's another danger. Uh, this is a type of flattery. A gift blindeth the wise. Sometimes that's what these people do, these seducers, manipulators. They don't give gifts just because they want to give gifts to someone, because they love someone, they want to express thankfulness or kindness to someone out of the genuine you know, feelings of their heart. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's, in or, it's to accomplish a purpose. It is to blind people, to blind the wise, to pervert their judgment, to butter them up so they can manipulate them. And that's why they lavish them with gifts. Sometimes that happens in relationships. Very quickly, someone is lavished with all these expensive gifts. Man, why? what is this coming from? Why are they doing this? It's a tactic of manipulation. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So what does that fall under? The category of flattery. Good words and fair speeches are flattery. And flattery is used to deceive the hearts of the simple, which is the naive. Those that do not have wisdom because they do not know the Word of God. The more of the Word of God that you know, the less likely you are to be deceived. The less likely you are to be manipulated by those using flattery. And the Bible says, mark them and avoid them. They do not serve Jesus Christ. They're just using flattery to deceive people. False teachers use flattery. And let's look at some contrast here. We're going to look at this last section and then we'll end with the love bombing stuff and we'll be done. Flattery is to be rejected. 
The apostles, in contrast, specifically say they do not use flattery and their goal is not to please men. Let's look at it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. For our, exhor for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness or in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Okay? They specifically said, at any time, we did not use flattering words. We do not flatter people when we preach. And what did he say the reason was? Because our goal is not to please men, but to please God. That's why. And that's not the goal, believe it or not, that is not the goal of huge, huge portions of the preachers out there. Did you know that? You wonder why they're preaching false things. Why are they flattering people? Why do they refuse to, why are they scared to preach the truth? Because their goal is not to please God. It is to please themselves. A lot of times it's for their ego. They're, they're afraid of losing their position, their praise, their respect, their money, whatever it is. They're, and they don't care about pleasing God. They want to please their, their colleagues. They want to impress people. They want the praise of men. They want respect. They don't care about pleasing God. That's why they don't preach the truth. That's why they use flattering words. The goal, when the goal is pleasing God, and that's the main purpose, then the truth will be spoken and you don't care what anyone thinks about it. And you're not trying to you know, intentionally offend people, but you speak the truth. And you don't candy coat it. Galatians 1.10 For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? No, for if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If my goal was just to please men... I should not be the servant of Christ. I would not be the servant of Jesus Christ if that was my goal. If anyone's goal is to please men, they may not tell you that. They're not going to tell you, oh yeah, I want to please men. But you can tell by their actions, by what they preach, what they won't preach. You can tell if their goal is to please men. And that includes going after all kinds of crazy things over and over again because they're pleasing people and, and doing what the people want instead of pleasing God. What does God want them to preach? That's what it should be because God knows what the people need. And it's we should seek to please God, not men. Even though people will increasingly demand more teachers that will flatter them with false doctrine, this depraved itch should not be scratched. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Fables. Flattering. Lie. Remember, 
Uh, flattery is false praise. It is to lie to people. And they have itching ears. And, and the, the false teachers are scratching the itching ears through flattery, through fables, through lies, false doctrine. And the people heap to themselves piles and piles of false teachers because they're walking after their own lusts. They don't want, they don't want the truth. They don't want to please God. They're walking after their own lusts. They love their sin and hate God. They want to put on the show of religion, but they're fake. Their heart is not transformed by God. Their heart is not right with God. So they heap to themselves teachers, and there's more false teachers than ever nowadays. Thousands and thousands all around the world, instantly accessible through the internet. Just filling the world with false doctrine because there's people with itching ears all over the earth. And they don't want the truth. They want fables. They want to be lied to. They want to be flattered. That God has not commissioned me to scratch the ears. Rebuking is contrasted, is contrasted with flattery because even though it may be temporarily painful, telling someone the truth is the right thing to do and pleasing to God. Let's look at it. Proverbs 28, 23, he that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. You see how these are directly contrasted against each other? Rebuking and flattering. To rebuke is to call out something plainly. Sin or false doctrine. Say, hey, that's false doctrine. That's a false teaching. Hey, that's a sin according to what the word of god says here let me show you the here, let me show you the verses let me show you where it says in the word of god this is wrong and it says that that is better than flattering someone with the tongue telling the truth is always better okay and so yes we should as it says preach the word Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We need sound doctrine instead of flattery. And then now we're going to talk about love bombing to end it. I'm just going to kind of rip through this pretty quick. It's not going to take too long. I just wanted to read this. I took some um, some some of this out of an article that I found about love bombing. Just to, to uh, give you a little bit of a description so that you can see through this stuff. But I, but I wanted to make sure we had a good biblical study before this so you can see this falls under the category of flattery in the Bible. It is a biblical concept to, that you should understand and watch out for. So, love bombing is a type of emotional abuse where someone uses grand gestures to manipulate another person. A love bomber may bomb you with gifts, compliments, and affection. But these actions are not done out of kindness. Instead, love bombing is used to make a friend, partner, or loved one dependent on them so they can control the relationship. It's always about control. It's not, and it's, I know it's hard to think that people can be like this, but please, please, you need to understand that people will do this to you. Okay? People will manipulate. And the goal is to control. It's not because they love. Okay, it's not out of real love. P 
people are uh, typically love bomb to gain control in a relationship and make others feel guilty about questioning their actions. Even if you even start to question a little bit, oh, that why someone would do something. Oh, I can't believe you would question that. Who loves bombs? Who love bombs? Well, the primary groups are narcissists and cults. Okay. I talked about this in another teaching. Um, you know, it was about predators, uh, victims, you know, using a cover to, to manipulate people, uh, predator in disguise. That's the message. And I talked about the biblical basis for narcissists, basically just someone that's, you know, is a proud person. They're extreme pride, extremely high view of themselves. They never take responsibility for anything. They never repent. Uh, they always make excuses for everything they do. They're so great. Everyone else is dumb and bad and less than them. They look down on everyone else, extremely self-righteous, all these things, right? That's a narcissist. That's a biblical description of it. And then cults, you know, this is uh, any group. Could be uh, a church or it could be some other type of cult, some type of group where they have, uh, they're destructive and unhealthy and they have an unhealthy control over people's lives, especially. This can occur in a marriage, family, friendship, or any cultic group. Any context, love bombing can happen. Uh, signs of love bombing. Love bombing signs can vary from person to person. However, it's typically an unwanted grand gesture that initially could make you uncomfortable, not simply love. Yeah, it's like something, it's not just something nice, it's something over the top. But let's look at some signs of love bombing. First, over-the-top declarations of love or admiration. A love bomber may tell you they love and flatter you constantly, often too early in a relationship. I talked about that before. If it's too fast, you know, telling you secrets or this like over-the-top, oh, they're saying they love you and all these things, haven't even known each other. that long oh you're the love of my life and all this stuff come on please so we're soulmates dude you haven't even known each other that long calm down here it doesn't make any sense they also may also like over-the-top public displays of affection and demand your attention okay so this public display of affection especially over-the-top public display of affection is a big red flag Big red flag. The public display of affection can be later used as evidence that they are the good guy when a relationship goes sour and to deflect from accusations of abuse. Sometimes that happens. So inevitably with these, you know, toxic narcissistic people, some relationship blows up, but then they'll point back to these public displays of affection so that people will believe them. Oh, look at they were such a good person. There's no way that they could have done these bad things, you know, to that person. Look at how great of a, a partner they were, whatever it is. And uh, so that's why they like doing the public display of affection. It makes, they're trying to paint a picture to the public as to who they are. They're such a great person, such a loving person, whatever it is. It, it's all in the public's eye. You know, and this, this kind of like reminds me of what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They always have to pray in public. He said, don't pray in public like the hypocrites do. 
Uh, don't do give to the poor and do your good works. Uh, those types of, of uh, giving to the poor in public and, and announce it with the trumpet telling everyone all these good things that you're doing because they just wanted the praise for themselves. Okay, that's a very narcissistic thing. They want they always have to tell everyone these things that they the good things that they're doing. They always want the uh, recognition for it. But anyways, public uh, displays of affection, declarations of love too fast. These are red flags. Here's the next one. A sign of love bond. Constantly calling or texting you to check in. Your partner may ignore your schedule and not respect your time by communicating constantly. They may also become irritated if you don't respond when they are quote-unquote concerned about you. The concern or saying they were worried is often used as an excuse for ignoring boundaries and justifying this method of communication, okay? And I've seen that happen multiple times where they're like just over and over again, way too much contact. And it's like, dude, just, you know, ask to chill a little bit. Like, hey, you know, you need to calm down a little bit. And, oh, I was just worried and blah, blah, blah. And it's, no, it's not worrying. It's, they're using that as an excuse to uh, act in a way that they shouldn't be. But yeah, this over the top communication where they can't, they have to communicate all the time. Uh, over the top, it's uh, definitely a red flag. And again, if these are all combined together, that's even more of a, a, an understand. You should understand that that's even more about uh, that this would be love bombing. Rushing into a relationship, they may have, they make make intense plans for a future together early in relationship. Yeah, some crazy commitment right right off the bat. You, you know, after knowing someone for a month, oh, we're gonna get married, and then it's just like. You know, rushing into things. A love bomber may also declare you're their soulmate, rush into a committed relationship before you really know them. And this applies just as much to friendships and cult groups. Yeah, exactly, too. Some people just go over the top. Oh, man. You know, in the, like the cult group. Oh, you you know, you, you, you're like family to us and blah, 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 blah. Right away, you haven't even known each other that long and they're jumping into this stuff and acting like that. It's just... It's way too fast. It's it's uh, suspicious. Uh, here's the next thing. Giving unnecessary and unwanted gifts. A love bomber may pay for extravagant and unwanted gifts to make you think they love you and have your best interests. Yeah, usually over-the-top things or, you know, frequent. These gifts may be too much and a love bomber will remind you about them like a debt. Yeah, exactly. You owe them. You feel like the gift is held over your head as a guilt trip to return the favor. Gifts are used to blind and make you overlook any suspicious behavior. Yes, exactly. It's what they're doing. Again, they aren't just giving a gift to express kindness and love. It is to manipulate. It is to blind. It is to hold it over your head and guilt trip you into giving something back to them or like you owe them or something. Constantly praising or complimenting. Your partner always seems to say the right thing, but compliments seem exaggerated. They may also become overly interested in your hobbies and accomplishments. But again, it's just over the top flattery, flattery, right? And then boundaries are ignored. Last thing, boundaries are ignored. A love bomber will uh, doesn't like to be told no 
or listen to healthy boundaries. If you discuss that you feel overwhelmed or need them to stop a behavior, they may argue that they're doing it for your best interest. This is very important, okay? Someone's subtype of manipulator, narcissist, whatever, they do not respect boundaries, okay? You said some type of thing like, hey, maybe you argue with someone, maybe it's a family member. Ah, you know, we always argue about the certain thing. Here's setting a boundary. Next time we hang out, can we please not talk about these certain things? Okay, there we won't talk about those things. That's the boundary. And then you hang out and they start talking about those things. Well, now they're not respecting the boundaries. Now they may wait, they might wait a little bit, and then they slowly try to sneak it back in or whatever. They always try to, to step over the boundaries. They don't respect them at all. Because they don't care about healthy relationship they want to control and manipulate and it wants they always want things done on their terms okay so that's another sign red flag for that and i gave the link to that so anyways that's just a little bit about love bombing just wanted to throw that in here so you could see some of these red flags because it ties directly into this topic of flattery love bombing is a type of flattery and you look at that public display of affection and gifts and all in these pray over the top praises, all this stuff, it's all under that uh, flattery stuff. So now let's get to the end here. Because you want to talk about the true charity. Okay, the greatest chapter in the Bible about love, love towards uh, neighbor, towards neighbor, especially, is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, talking about charity. Charity does not flatter. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Okay, so look at this. If you look at this, charity, it says, is kind. Okay, so this is a genuine kindness. So we're contrasting now the the flattery. We're, we're contrasting against the narcissist, the cult, whoever it is, the person that is using flattery to manipulate. This is the opposite of that. This is what we should be doing. So charity is kind. It is good. It's nothing wrong with being kind to people. You should absolutely be kind to people. You know, everyone that you, you see, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be kind. It says that charity is not puffed up, okay? So you're not puffed up with pride, not acting like you're better than other people, you're, you have a big ego, and then it says, seeketh not her own. That's, that's what narcissists do. They are always interested in everything that benefits them. They seek their own things. What is in it for them? What can they get out of it? What can they get out of you as a person? They're always seeking something from themselves. That's not the way that we're supposed to be. That's not what charity does. If you have charity, you're not going to be seek your own. You're going to be seeking what's beneficial to other people. You know, the Bible says that there is greater love of no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's sacrificial love. That's the greatest act of love is to sacrifice. Okay. Uh, your, your comforts for other people's benefit. Okay. And narcissists hate that stuff because they're selfish. Uh, charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Okay, so love is not 
Just because there's love doesn't mean that they gloss over sin. They overlook sin. And it also means they don't rejoice in lies. They rejoice, charity rejoices in the truth. Okay? And so if charity rejoices in the truth, then charity is not going to flatter because flattery is lying. So if someone is flattering, they don't have charity. They don't have love. And that's what we learned earlier. They do not love people that they are flattering. Even though they are pretending to, out of a false love, they give the false praise. But charity rejoices in the truth, does tell the truth, does stand for the truth, does not rejoice in sin. That's true love, true charity. It is good to be kind and praise others as long as it is truthful and not exaggerated, okay? So this teaching does not say do not give praise and compliments to other people. That's not what this is about. It's saying as long as it's truthful, you know, you're not lying about someone. You're not exaggerating, going way over the top. You don't have an ulterior motive to try to manipulate someone. You're just genuinely giving a compliment to praise someone. There's nothing wrong with that. You could look at someone and say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate what you do here. You know, maybe it's at your job or something. Someone does something at home. Man, I, that's, oh, that thing that you did, that was great. That was awesome. You know, you did a lot of work doing that. I could see you work hard doing this. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Oh, wow, that thing that you made, that was really cool. That was really beautiful. What? It, it's fine to say stuff like that. Compliments and praise. It, in fact, it's good. You should be saying those things. But it comes from a genuine place. It's not to, to manipulate people. It's honest. Okay. Charity does not use kindness to manipulate others. Genuine kindness to others in word and deed is an expression of a heart that is right with God. And this is the last thing we're going to read. Genuine kindness to others in word and deed is an expression of a heart that is right with God. 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth to the Spirit. Unto unfeigned love, love that is not fake. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So see that? It says, obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Love to the brethren that is not fake. That is not, uh, you know, with dissimulation. A false appearance of love to manipulate people. It's unfeigned love. Real love. It says that you love one another with a pure heart. Not a manipulating, conniving heart. It's a pure heart. And why is it a pure heart? Being born again. It says it right there. Because you're born again. Because you know why? When you're born again, that's when God gives you a new heart with new desires. That doesn't desire to manipulate people. It desires to have unfeigned love for the brethren. To love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's what the new heart desires to do when you're born again. 
And if that's not the desire that you have, you need to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're born again, you should not be a manipulator, flattering people. That is a red flag. Flattery is not of God. It is of the flesh. It is wicked and it should not be done. But also, you guys need to watch out for it so that you don't get manipulated. Set boundaries. Call out the tactics and don't become a victim to those things. Okay? Through whatever it is. Individual level. Friendship. uh, Relationship. Through churches, cults, preachers. Whatever it is. You can see the trap of the flattery. All right. And so that is it. That is the end of the message. Hope that was a blessing to you. Please like, share, and subscribe. And especially go to check out the description below the video where you will find a link to subscribe to the Telegram feed. And you subscribe to the Telegram feed, you get links to all the PDFs of the notes, uncensored news. You can find me there if I get censored and other platforms for all the updates, everything else. Thank you for all the, the prayers and all the comments and encouragements and gifts and everything else. God bless you. Have a good day.